yet. So, um, you know, uh, first of all, I wanted to wish you guys a Merry Christmas. We are in it. This is the season right now. Um, and I just feel honored because I get to kind of give like the first like Christmas themed message of the, the year right now. So, you know, I like how they did the stage just for me, you know. <laughs> After this, they'll take it all down because, you know, it was just, I, I had to specially request all these gifts. It makes me feel at home. So thank you for whoever. No, but these, these decorations are great. Um, I'm, uh, I'm really excited to be here. Um, it's, uh, and it's just, a, it's just a cool opportunity to be able to share with you guys uh, just some things that I've been uh, learning uh, and focusing on as we get closer to Christmas. Um, because... The title of the sermon will be today, uh, Fix Your Eyes on Jesus, um, because, you know, there's a lot of things we could fix our eyes on getting around to this time of the year. There's a lot of things that can distract us, a lot of things that can get in the way, but uh, the Bible commands us to fix our eyes on Jesus. And before we kind of get started into that scripture, uh, I wanted to set up kind of, okay, well, how is Jesus focused? What was his focus when he came to this earth? And so um, if we could turn our Bibles to John 12, and uh, I will read a scripture first to start us off. Starting in verse 30, Jesus said, this is right after a voice from heaven literally said, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. So people are like, whoa, this guy's important. And Jesus says, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And so what I get from this scripture is that Jesus was focused. He, he was not looking out for his own benefit in his life. He was looking out for the benefit of others. And we can think about this big sacrifice that he made of going to the cross, dying for our sins. But that wouldn't have taken place if, a bigger, if one of the bigger sacrifices hadn't been made. And that was him actually coming down from heaven to be on this earth. That's why this is kind of, that's why we celebrate Christmas a lot. That's why we love, you know, there, there's probably more reasons nowadays that we have so many gifts and presents and festivities and whatnot. But that's why this day is important. Because the sacrifice of coming from heaven to earth is a big one. Where in heaven he's glorified, he's honored as kings, he gets to be the prince of the universe, creating all the worlds and people and everything in creation. Now he gets to be one of us and hated and spit on and just disrespected. That's a very big sacrifice. And, and he said, I, this, is not for, uh, this is for your benefit, not mine. And we can start to think about, okay, people, what are people focused on this time of year? You know, and hopefully, you know, uh, that they realize that as corny as it sounds, there is a Christ in Christmas there is a reason for the season. They might open up their Bibles or they might open up their hearts for the, maybe the first time this year for something like, like Jesus. And they might turn to, you know, some of the more popular scriptures, <laughs> one being the world famous John 3.16, um, which everyone's seen, everyone references. I actually have a slide here of, of some of the famous places that it shows up. We got it at the bottom of the In-N-Out cups. If you guys didn't know about that, they're actually on the bottom of all of them. Um, not on Whataburger's ones, but, you know, we'll talk about that later. Um, my favorite one, if you can see it, is in uh, Gladiator. There was actually a bit. No, I'm just kidding. But it says me, 316, because John was actually there. Um, it's, it's at sporting events. 
uh, it's, in the, it's in some of the advertisements. This guy wanted to give people a discount for their oil changes. So you quote John 3.16, you get $15 off. There were some negative Yelp reviews after that because pushing religion on people makes them uncomfortable. Um, and then it's also been in The Simpsons. So it's all over the place. And it's, and it's something that, you know, I guess just everyday average people can quote because it's everywhere. But I actually like the verse that comes right before it as we think about focusing on Jesus and his focus of being on this earth. So let's turn to John 3, um, and we'll start reading in verse 13. And it says, uh, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And as you can see right away, this is why it's not a very famous, world famous as John 3.16, because it's got snakes in the wilderness and weird stuff with Moses. And, but, you know, I see this scripture, and I think this is what Jesus is saying. This is, these are Jesus' words. He highlighted this seemingly, you know, random story in the Old Testament to try and highlight the fact that it's supposed to be paralleled with him. And so... As we think about, okay, well, what, what, is the, what was the focus? How are we supposed to focus on Jesus? How are we supposed to fix our eyes on Jesus? It helps when we get a story about the Israelites because we could be more like the Israelites than we like to think. And so let's go to that story in the Old Testament, um, and it's in Numbers chapter 21. Story of the bronze snake. And so uh, big wall of text here, but we'll just go ahead and read through it. It says, starting in verse 4 of Numbers 21, They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake, put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. So kind of funny story. Um, <laughs> and this is if, you know... If you follow the, the, the story of the Israelites, this is just classic Israelites right here. Like, if they had, like, a sitcom about them on a TV show, this would be their season arc pretty much every single time. It would just be, they would be wandering around, they would complain, God would, you know, do something to them, and then they would all come together as a family afterwards and just realize, oh, the Lord is great, the Lord is good. And then the credits would roll, freeze frame, you know, play the music to send them out. But... You know, <laughs> we, we see here in the desert, they're in the desert. They literally make a, a, just a weird statement like, oh, we're, why did we get out here to die? Let's go back to slavery. Egypt was so good to us. You know, we hate this food that God magically made rain down from heaven. Like, this is so annoying. This is so obnoxious. Like, why are we here? They're just so impatient. We can look at the Israelites and say, what, is, what are they focused on? Like, why did they come on, you literally have food raining down from heaven. Why are you complaining so much? Moses literally just brought water out from a rock. 
Like, God will provide. But, you know, and we could just almost be like, man, I would be so different if I was there. It would just be, I would be the faithful one. I, but if we look at our lives, I mean, it, it, we, we, we start to draw a little bit too many similarities with the Israelites. And, you know, because just one Black Friday will roll around and we'll be like, man, why do I have this miserable phone? I hate this detestable thing. It's not fast enough. I need the new one. Or I need to push over a child to grab a TV. Like this is, you know, my miserable 50-inch TV. What about an 80-inch TV? You know, like that's what I want, you know, and God's not giving me anything, so I need to go out and get it myself. You know, I'm more speaking of my own problems, pushing children over and all that stuff. But, you know, and we could see the similarities between us and the Israelites sometimes, the the. The, un, the, the selfishness, the impatience. But luckily, <laughs> we see the Lord dealing with it in a different way. Because <laughs> he doesn't send venomous snakes anymore to kill us. So praise God for that. But it is also interesting that it stayed the same as the way that he gives us, the, the way out that he gives us. And uh, if we could put up the picture there, yeah, that looks pretty similar. It's just instead of a snake... You know, now we have a person, you know, dying on the cross for our sins. Um, But now we just, instead of looking at a snake, as John 3, 14 says, we now, as Moses lifted up the snake, now we lift up, now we look at Christ, believe in him, and we will be healed. And it's just so interesting, because it used to be, they'd send an announcement out to the people saying, okay, now that you're bitten, to, to avoid dying, go to this pole, look at this snake. You know, imagine uh, not reading that email in the announcements. Um, and, 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 they, and they did that. They had to do that. And it's interesting the way God dealt with it. Because he sent the venomous snakes into the, into the groups of people. And then they asked him specifically, take the snakes away. But he didn't do that. He gave them a, a pole. He gave them something to go commune around. They gave him something to look at. Because he could have easily taken the snakes away. He made the snakes show up. I don't know how they did that you know, popping out of the sand or, I don't know. It's just a crowd of snakes. I, that's, that, that, that just freaks me out a little bit. But he gave them something to look at. He gave them something to commune around and have a community centered around this pole. I bet this was in the center of the town, the center of the community, so that if you got bitten, you can get there as fast as you can. Um, they didn't, and, and that's, that's the way they had to obey. They didn't have a picture of the snake in their house. They didn't just try and remember what the snake looked like. That was a weird, I can do that. Okay. And uh, they didn't have a picture of the, they just, they just ran to the, ran to the snake and looked at it. They focused, they fixed their eyes upon the snake so that they could be healed. And, you know, I think today we can, we can look at this and be, okay, we just need to focus on Jesus. We need to, you know, and we need to cancel out all distractions. Because what, what are some distractions that get in the way? You know, what are some things that we can, instead of looking at the snake, turn to when we feel that bite? or that feel that discomfort, you know, and, and we can kind of start to replace the snake with some other things. And so current events, you know, making sure that our country is going good, making sure that, you know, our president is not making a fool of himself, making sure that we have our security and our freedom, you know, in our, in our freedom of religion, our, our, the, the, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, whatever. It's like, no, that's what secures me because I have freedom in this country. You know, the funny thing is, is that God's people throughout all history did not have much freedom. This, we're, we're living in a society where we probably have the most freedom out of anyone. And so, but the Israelites, 
didn't have that to put their faith in. They had to, they had to put it in other things. And so, you know, that's one of, the, one of the big distractions, but because, but it's not a bad thing. And here's the thing about distractions. I'm going to give you some more, but they're not inherently bad. But if we start putting our faith more in them than, than, than what it says here in the Bible of, of Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, then we tend to get on some slippery ground, some, some not solid foundation. And, you know, some people, okay, you know, don't really care that much about current events, government, whatever you want to talk about, politics. But there's another thing that we might put our faith in. But, um, you know, and that might be some, uh, some sports teams. That might be some just victory-based things in life. You know, it might not be, you know, watching a game every Sunday. Or it might not be whatever, but you can definitely live kind of vicariously through your kids' success. You know, uh, make sure they get to these meetings, make sure they get to these things, miss some church service along the way. But, you know, they're, they're good, they're good because we can teach them the Bible. You know, they can miss, they can miss some stuff, but we'll, we'll have their back. You know, this could be anything. I mean, and, and this, is, this is one of my big things as well, guys. Sports, I, I love sports. Sports is very important to me. Um, but like I said, not inherently bad. Not, not, a, not a terrible thing. Obviously, you guys are here. You know, the, the Cowboys are playing right now, so you guys are the faithful, the, 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 the at church, well done, good and faithful servants. You guys did it. You know, um, hopefully, you know, you're not checking your phones right now to see how's it going. But, you know, like I said, it, it could become a distraction. These, these things can become a distraction. These things can get in the way of what, you know, what we're supposed to be focusing on. You know, they can easily turn to these things for comfort, to, 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 for healing. But that's not, that's not what they had to turn to. They had to turn to the bronze snake. They have to fix our eyes on Jesus. And the big one, you know, for now, the, the big distraction can definitely be this, this season. You know, the Christmas season right now. Everything can get in the way. Everything can get in the way. Whether it's, whether it's uh, performances, whether it's, it's decorating, whether, you know, it, a bunch of these things can turn us into, I guess, uh, the Mary, you know, the, or Martha, sorry, flipped them around. You know, just worrying, worrying like, oh, I got to make everything perfect. This is the way that I take care of my family. This is the way that I, you know, uh, work through life is just so that I can make the Christmas season special. And which also, not a bad thing. Actually a great thing. You know, making, making the holidays special to where you feel like family, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's, it's a part of the celebration. But if it becomes our focus, if it becomes what we, what we worry about, if it becomes the thing that makes us anxious, then we've got, some, we've got to refocus. We've got to set our minds on other things. Um, and so uh, I think moving on, kind of bringing it back to the New Testament so that now, you know, turn to the, uh, to the scripture in Hebrews 12, which is where we get the uh, title from. Um, and this is something that we read a lot. This is a, this is a heavily quoted scripture as well, probably not as much as John 3.16, but it's one of my favorites, starting at verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders or distracts and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run the race with perseverance, or let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
fix our eyes on Jesus. Now we don't have to look at a snake. You know, now we actually can have the thing, I guess, that we should fix our eyes on around our necks. It's, it's, on our, it's, it's everywhere, the cross. And we can now fix our eyes on that and gain healing from that. But what does that actually mean? What does that look like? What does it mean when we fix our eyes on Jesus? You know, and it can, it can look like many different ways. It can be turning to him for, for our problems, going, you know, allowing his example to, to be emulated in our life, uh, living the way he does, really digging into the scriptures and finding out how does Jesus live this life of faith? How do we, well, how do, we do that now in the modern day? Because it was a lot different back then. Um, and I think one of the big points here is when Jesus was faced with opposition, he considered it joy, and he didn't worry about embarrassment. You know, we see that he had joy set before him, he endured the cross. And that's one that I've always had trouble with, joy and the cross. You know, did Jesus enjoy being up on the cross? Did he enjoy going through that opposition? Did, was, it, was it something that he, that he loved doing? No, I don't think so. I think we can look at the Garden of Gethsemane and the prayer that Jesus prayed that he was not looking forward to it at all. But so what was he joyful about? How did the joy set before him? Well, maybe be in the face of that opposition, in the face of that cruelty, that, uh, that exact opposite of what he got when he was in heaven, he knew that he was f- fulfilling his, his father's will. He knew he was following God's commands. And that is what gave him joy. He knew that it was temporary. He knew that at the end of the day, he was doing something not for himself, for his benefit, but for others. And here's the thing about shame. It says scorning his shame. We could be people who do everything for God. You know, everything down the list. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. I'll serve in this way. I'll go out. I'll, uh, what, just don't put me in anything that might be embarrassing. That's my line. No embarrassment. I can't do embarrassment. I can't stand up there and make a fool of myself. And we will do everything to avoid that. We can do everything else. But that is the one thing that we try to avoid. But this is something that, I mean, the cross was about as shameful as you could get. I mean, they, they had them up there at the beginning of the city as people walked in. You know, it's like, look at those people, those criminals. There was only a small list of things you, had, you, you could do for that type of punishment. This was the ultimate shame. And Jesus considered it joy. He considered it a service to God. And he did it. He went through with it. I can think of times in my life where I've kind of shied away from things because of shame. Um, I was in the campus ministry at Georgia State. And uh, we were trying to out, me and this other brother were trying to outdo one another in crazy things that we could do to share our faith. We were, I would, you know, I would try and, I, I would try and do something and then he would try and one up me. And then, and so I went into the cafeteria where a bunch of people were eating, you know, and I was like, I'm going to invite everyone into Bible talk. I'm going to stand on a table. I'm going to yell out and I'm going to invite all of them to Bible talk. He's like, yes, do it, man. And I like take one step towards the table and I'm like, wait, that's really, what if I make a fool of my, what if I fall off the table or something? What if, uh, what if they, what if everyone just ignores me? Like, what if I just make it awkward? What? Like, what if someone asks, like, or what if someone yells something at me as I'm trying to, and I, and I just start taking steps back. Like, nah, I'm not going to do it. And my friend was like, what are you talking about? You just said you wanted to do it. Like, don't, if, I, if you don't do this, I win, right? And I was like, yeah, but I'll do, I'll do something else. Let me find something else to do. And he's like, no, you got to do that. And I was like, no, 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 I, I just can't. He's like, fine, I'll do it for you. And so he gets up on the table. He, 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 he starts to yell out. He's like, hey, everyone, my friend David has something he wants to tell you. <laughs> And he ran, and he ran off. 
I was like, no. And I had to do it. I had to sit there and just be, um, okay, so yeah, Bible talk. It's over there. I, I just, I did it as quickly as I could and I got out of there. I was so mad at him. Uh, and, and it was cool because we went to Bible talk and I was just like, oh, that was so embarrassing. I can't believe that I did that. Oh, I can't believe Jonathan made me do that. And we get to the end of Bible talk and I walk up to one of the, a girl had shown up. And I walk over to her like, oh, who invited you? Like, you did. It's like, I did? What? It's like, yeah, you yelled out. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So I decided to come. <laughs> and so there was God working through me trying to avoid embarrassment. And that's, and, and obviously we, we sh- you know, shouldn't be, have to be prodded and forced to, to do these things. We would want to do it out of a good heart. But these are the things that Jesus, we can Im- uh, imitate in Jesus. This, this, this idea of just, no, shame is no, no consequence to me. If I'm, if I'm going to be shamed, at least it's for the right reasons. And he considered, you know, we, we should consider him when we're trying to endure things, when we're, when we're facing opposition, whether that's from our own sin, other people, or just the trials and tribulations of this life. We need to be, uh, we need to be more, I guess, fix our eyes on Jesus, try and imitate him. Um, I have a quote here on this next slide from Aristotle. Anytime I get to quote a philosopher, it's a good day. Um, Because they're just so, they have so much insight. And so Aristotle says something along the lines of, it is during our darkest moments that we must focus to see the light. And this is, and this is so true. This is the darkest moments we, I would rephrase it if we want to, you know, phrase it to the scripture is in our darkest moments that is when we must fix our eyes on Jesus because this is exactly what the Israelites are doing they realized the snakes are biting us we're going to die we need a savior and that's when it, that's when they turn to Jesus or that's when they turn to God and Moses give us a way out and God gave them the bronze snake and now God has given us Jesus and 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 especially this time of the year some of this some for some people uh, me included, this time of the year is not the super bright, cheery, festive holiday season. You know, some, for some people, this is a more darker side. This is a, a time where it's, they, people, it's hard for people to focus on what they have, um, it's, and it's easier to focus on what they don't, whether it's, always had, whether it's family problems or whether it is just, I don't know, the time of the season. Uh, it's like a seasonal depression type of thing. And... This can be a time where if we have faith, if we have, if we have the ability to fix our eyes on Jesus, we can encourage those people who may be struggling, who may be searching for help, who, who, who might not want to burden someone with help because it's supposed to be Christmas and the happy time of the year where everyone's supposed to be happy and oh, family and joy, and joy to the world and all this stuff. But if we're truly looking out for people the way Jesus did, those are the people we're trying to to help, to latch on to. They could be disciples. They could be non-disciples. It could be anything. This is part of the perseverance. This is part of fixing our eyes on Jesus um, and the opposition of sinners. We just, we just can't grow weary and lose heart. And um, I think this is, this is, like I said, this, is, this season is an opportunity to be distracted <laughs> by all the little things that can get in our way, or we can use those things that we know people will be distracted by and try and bring them to focusing back on Jesus. Um, and so I have some questions for you guys to ask yourself to just sort of see, okay, what am I really focused on? How do I, how do I really focus on Jesus? 
These, these will help. So let's first question. For what do you sacrifice your money? Uh, this is a big one. I mean, obviously, we have things that we, we save up for that we need to be disciplined in. But I'm talking about more of like the, uh, I don't know, the things where, because the, the things that we don't mind spending money on are the things that we kind of, in, in a sense, value the most. The things that we're willing to just be like, whatever the price is, I'm going to grab that thing. Whether it's, you know, I, I can always think of this, for me, it's like whenever, um, whenever a, uh, a certain band is in town, I just snatch the tickets, don't even look at the price, like I just got to go to the show. That's got to be the show that I go to. You know, and, and we can be so excited for that and be ready, ready to just pounce. Whenever it shows up, I'm going to spend money, I'm not even looking at my bank account, not checking to see if, it, and, and that's not a bad thing <laughs> inherently, like I've talked about before. But you're kind of setting this precedent that if there was a time, like let's say uh, a marriage retreat or a singles retreat or a campus retreat, and you're like, and then you become the, well, I got to worry about my finances. You know, oh, I got I to gotta save up money. You know, the ant stores up food for the winter, right? So, I, you know, that's a little bit too pricey. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. But when it comes to things that we enjoy, we're just, yeah, oh, yeah, spend the money, get the things, we'll be good to go. And this can be, you know, and so this is not a, a end-all, be-all, like, you only can sacrifice your money for certain things. But you always have to be ready. And I think that's the point of the ant, you know, we become experts of wisdom in terms of money saving <laughs> in some areas, but not in others. Um, and I just, you know, I do lead the campus. And so I wanted to give you guys an example, um, which might sound like an odd way of phrasing it, because you're like, campus people, how are they? giving their money. That's crazy. But there, is, there was an, uh, an example this semester that really blew my mind. And one of, uh, one of our students, um, he's a hardworking guy. He's got, like, he's got two jobs. He, he cares for his family. He's just, he's just one of the most faithful guys in our campus ministry. Just a great leader. And uh, he came to me one time for a D time and, and said, you know, everything's okay. I just, I'm just really struggling. I opened up the fridge this morning. There was no food inside. I have no idea how we're going to put food in the fridge. And it kind of, you know, and, and it kind of, and he's just like, I'm really, I'm really having a hard time. And so on Sunday, that Sunday, I, I, I went up to the, to the campus ministry. I brought them all together. It's like, guys, you know this brother. He needs help. Let's help him out. If you guys, on Wednesday, let's take up a collection. If you guys can give whatever you can give, just give. We want to help this guy make it through the next few months as he starts, you know, a new job and all this stuff, just so that he can have food for his family. <laughs> and on Wednesday, on that Wednesday, after I had took up everything, the campus had raised over $500 for this brother. And it was, it was incredible. It was mind-blowing. I was thinking 75, 100 and they blew it out of the water. We had people visiting from other churches that weekend. They gave, <laughs> they were like, give me your Venmo account. I'll, I'll send you money. You know, just like give, I'll, I'll just I need to give, I don't, they didn't even know who he was. They were like, what's his name again? I'll give him money. It was incredible. And it was, and it was, that was the opportunity that might have been passed up if, if you'd sacrificed money and other, you know, for other things. You know, and so those are the, the moments that if we give into distractions, we might, that might slip us by. And so I just wanted to encourage you guys with that story from the campus. It really encouraged me. And this brother 
I mean, when we gave him the money, he just collapsed. I mean, he was just overcome with emotion and gratitude. And, and this guy, he's doing, he's doing a lot better now. And so um, I'm so proud of the campus ministry for that. Um, so next question. When you're hurt, where do you go to for comfort? Because this could be a big focus for, you know, it, when we're in trouble, when we, you know, when the snakes are attacking, if you will, where do we turn to for comfort? You know, and for some of us, this is easy. Oh, yeah, definitely turn to God every single time. No doubt, you know. And so the, the, the question for those types of people would be, when everything is going good, do you still turn to God for comfort? <laughs> you know, and, but for, for someone like me, when I'm hurt, I want to kind of fix myself up a little bit, make myself presentable, and then go to God. Because my focus is not on getting help. My focus is not on getting better. It's just making sure that I look good on the outside. Or I'm always worried about my appearance. So, you know, focus will be a little bit off when we, but that would be a great question to ask. When I do, when I am hurt, what do I turn to for comfort? Do I let those distractions just kind of take over and I'll get back around to, to, to worshiping God when I can. I'll get back to fixing my eyes on Jesus when I feel a little bit better. Or when I'm more, I guess, in more discipline. And that can be a hard thing to, you know, a hard thing to get through, to focus on. But how do you do that? You bring people into your life. You get open. Those are the times where I felt like, okay, now I could focus back. As I get open with other people, allow people into my lives to help. To make me see things that I couldn't see clearly because I wasn't focused on the right things. And so that would be, that's another good question to ask yourself. So uh, third question, what disappoints you or frustrates you the most? Because this one, this one, it can be whatever our focus in, because when we're disappointed, when we're frustrated, that shows what we're truly caring about or what we're truly worrying about or anxious. Um, I can think of times where I've been disappointed in what I've been disappointed in, <laughs> and that was not too long ago. That was in February. Um, my team was in the Super Bowl, and they lost in a very bad way. And I went into another room after they had lost and kind of just sat by myself in the darkness because I was so disappointed and so frustrated. And the next day, I was almost like, did it really? Why did that bother me so much? Why did, that let that, why did I let that get to me? Why do I care so bad that my team wins? You know, seemingly meaningless game to me personally. And, it, and I just had to sit there and reevaluate, like, I'm not going to let sports run my life. I'm not going to let these things run my joy, steal my happiness. Because it, in the end, it's, you know, the, the, the game's over. And even if you won, you get a little bit of celebration. But then the season begins right over again. You have to, anyway, it, it, I think you can understand the, the meaningless, sometimes the meaningless nature of sports. But it, it begins to be like, have I been that disappointed or frustrated in someone walking away from God? Have I been that disappointed or frustrated in not being able to get over my own sin? Have I, have I sat there and sat in a quiet room just because I'm so disappointed or frustrated in myself because I can't repent or I haven't been able to, to you know, get, reach, reach out to this person in the way that I feel like I should? You know, are those the things? Or is those just kind of, yeah, God's grace, I'll get through it. But man, those cowboys, oh my gosh. You know, it, it, it begins to be, well, wait, what do you actually care about? We know you care about God. I, I, I'm not questioning anybody's love for God in this room. 
But when we see these distractions, like what disappoints us and frustrates us, it's kind of like we're driving to a destination and we're kind of just checking our phones, texting, or doing, doing, you know, making sure we look good in the, in the mirror, doing our taxes. You know, we're not, we may get, we get to our destination, like we're moving towards our destination, but we might, we, we, we're distracted and we're kind of starting to teeter on this edge of if we're distracted at the wrong time, it might lead to disaster. Um, I had this great, this great video that just didn't work out on the slides of this guy in Russia, because it's always in Russia. Um, he was on a motorcycle, and you normally hold the handlebars on a motorcycle with your hands. Um, but he needed to text. So he was reclining on the back of his motorcycle, and his feet were on the handlebars, and he was texting. And he was going straight. I mean, he was like, you know, driving in traffic. And he was on top of it. But man, <laughs> that's so dangerous. You know, he might have gotten to his destination safely. I hope he did. Um, but it wasn't because <laughs> it was, he was heavily distracted the whole time. And so when we think about these questions, it's not like, well, yeah, I definitely care about, you know, God. And, and those things frustrate me and those things disappoint me. And when I hurt, I turn it. But are we letting the distractions kind of hinder our progress or, 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 or slow us down from getting to the destinations that we want to get to? And so uh, last question is, what is it that really gets you excited? You know, obviously the opposite of disappointment and frustration. But what are the things that really get you excited? Like, like super duper duper excited. Like gives you endless amounts of energy. Um, because... I always think about this story, and this is going to be a weird story, but just, 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 just follow me through it. So, so let's, let's say you're driving. I like driving analogies. They're great. And so you're driving down the road, and out of the corner of your eye, you see something, run, an animal run across the road. And you can't slow down or swerve out of the way, and you just, and you just run straight over it. And you're just, you feel so bad. You're like, oh, my gosh, what happened? How, how did I let that happen? You heard the thump, thump. I mean, it's, you know, you look in your mirror, and it's, and it's bad. So you pull over, you, you get out of your car, you check the animal, and I mean, it is, it's bad. It's flattened. It's this little squirrel, you know, he probably had a squirrel family and all this children and stuff. And you're feeling really super bad, but then all of a sudden, the squirrel inflates and, uh, and, and bounces up, and it's fine, and it runs off the road, and it just, and it just is, is perfectly healthy. And you start freaking out because you're like, oh my gosh, that never happens. That's amazing. What just... Oh, gosh. And you get in your car, you drive, and you start, you start telling that story everywhere. Every party, every office meeting, everywhere. You become the squirrel guy because you're just so excited. Look at this. Dude, can you believe that? No, I can't believe that. I think you're lying. No, but I'm serious. Like the squirrel, it was dead, and the squirrel just inflated. It was like this, this weird popping, crackly noise, too. It's so crazy. I remember it so vividly. And you're just... You just tell that story everywhere. Just, that's, the, that's the guy. That's the squirrel guy. Everyone knows you. Yep, he's that squirrel guy. Dude, come in here. Tell the squirrel story. The squirrel story. He's so, he's so cool the way he tells it. It's so awesome. And that's and that, because you saw something that's never been seen before. And you're just so excited. And the funny thing is, is if, you, if you know, you're trying to jump ahead, we have seen somebody rise from the dead, perform miracles, do all this crazy, uh, change our lives, and we're not known as, sometimes we're not known as 
the Jesus guy. You know, we might invite someone out to church. They're like, oh, you go to church? Oh, cool. I could have never, never really knew about that. Oh, that's pretty cool. I'll come to church with you. We should be the squirrel guy. I mean, we should be the Jesus guy or whatever. You know, we should be that person that they're like, yep, that's the, <laughs> that's the Jesus guy. Maybe they won't invite you into the room and tell the Jesus story. Maybe they won't do that. But we need to be known as that. Or are we known as, oh, that annoying Cowboys fan? Or, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that, whenever I get in a conversation with that person, they're always going to talk about this. And it's not, and it's not fixing our eyes on Jesus. Because, yes, there are things in our lives that get us excited, that make us happy, you know, that, that, that you know, we shouldn't feel guilty about for making, for them making it. But if those are the only things, if we, if we are so distracted by the things that make us excited outside of, you know, uh, that distract us from what should truly excite us. Seeing someone become, you know, seeing someone become a Christian. Um, seeing, helping someone overcome something that they've never overcome before. Um, and really seeing God come in and change their lives, you know. Um, I know of times where I've definitely cleared out my schedule to watch something, whether it's a concert, sporting event, whatever. When was the last time we cleared out our schedules for, for Bible studies? Make sure we were at everything because that's truly important to be around people, to, to have a dedication to the body. You know, those are, those are the questions that we, we should ask ourselves when we think about how are we focusing and fixing our eyes on Jesus. Um, and so I hope these questions help. I hope they, they, they give you just a source of, okay, every time, especially now that we're getting into the time of just heavy, heavy distractions, that we can begin to fix our eyes back on Jesus. Because he is not just an example. He's not just an example that we, that we follow. He's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We should be in step with him. He, we should, it, it should be a part of our lives from the beginning to the end, not just a fun example that we can turn to every, every Sunday or every Wednesday. Um, he is the one that makes it, that makes it work. He's the one that, makes us, uh, that, that, that actually allows us to change. And so um, I wanted to close out with the scripture that I started with, um, Jesus saying, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. When we think about focusing on Jesus for, for Christmas, obviously it's his birth. Obviously it's the, you know, just the great time of, of giving and, and opportunities to serve and just being family together, Jesus has to be at the center of it all. Because cause he, and, and, and it has to have a level of sacrifice. Because this, this life that Jesus lived was a life of sacrifice. You know, there, no, no sacrifice that we can make can compare to the one of him coming from heaven down to earth to be among us, to, to live the way we did, to be tempted in every single way, to live a life of perseverance, you know, because this scripture reflects Jesus' life, the Hebrew scripture. And, and that's what Jesus is saying here, that I, my life is not, is not for my own benefit. It's for yours. And that level of sacrifice has to reflect into ours, that, that ultimate sacrifice. And so as we fix our eyes on Jesus, we should be fixing our eyes on how we can help each other, how we can support one another, and, and, and honestly be that, be that help, be that pioneer and that, and that, uh, that perfecter of faith that Jesus is for people and, be, and, and, and really help people focus more on Jesus. And so with that being said, um, 
I will uh, I will pray, and uh, and and then Clint will come up for communion. So, dear Father God, thank you for this time. Uh, thank you for just uh, your Son. Thank you for all the ways that He's uh, helped our lives. God, I pray that we can fix our eyes upon Him and allow us to uh, finish the race. God, thank you for um, just all the ways you bless us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.